You're listening to the podcast of the Biopharmaceutical Section of the American Statistical Association. Welcome to the first episode of the Biopharmaceutical Podcast of 2015. Happy New Year. Uh, before we get started with uh, talking with Christy Fletcher, uh, I'd like to tell you about some upcoming uh, conference dates uh, in this 2015. In February 10th through the 12th in Arlington, Virginia, we have the DIA Joint Adaptive Design and Bayesian Statistics Conference. Uh, the DIA FDA Statistics Forum will be in April 20th through the 22nd in Bethesda, Maryland. And the PSI annual meeting will take place in London, England, May 10th through the 13th. And, of course, the crown jewel of the ASA biopharmaceutical section, uh, the FDA Industry Statistics Workshop, will take place September 16th through the 18th in Washington, D.C., uh, today on the podcast, we have Christy Fletcher from Amgen. She'll be discussing FSPI, uh, the European Federation of Statisticians in the Pharmaceutical Industry. Let's get to the discussion. Hi, this is Richard Zink. Uh, welcome to the show, uh, the biopharmaceutical podcast of the American Statistical Association. My guest today on the podcast is Christy Fletcher, Executive Director of Biostatistics at Amgen and the current president of the European Federation of Statisticians in the Pharmaceutical Industry, or FSPI. Uh, good afternoon to you, Chrissy. Good afternoon. Would you be so kind and describe your role at Amgen? Sure. So I'm the regional head in Europe for global biostatistical science at Amgen. So my responsibilities include leading a team of statisticians who support the full life cycle activities for new medicines that we have in development and also marketed therapies um, at Amgen. And this includes supporting early phase trials through to post-marketing activities. Our biostatics group is therapeutically aligned, so um, statisticians in Europe and globally are engaged in all therapeutic areas of interest for Amgen. So we're part of a global function working in product teams and we add statistical value to drug development. I also lead a small team of statisticians engaged in health technology assessment, or HTA. And this is where we're focused on ensuring that all the analytical activities supporting an HTA are now fully integrated into our development activities. So this, for example, will sort of ensure that statisticians who design, analyze, and report clinical trials are considering both regulatory and HTA stakeholder perspectives and requirements and also tries to ensure that statisticians are also engaged in developing and implementing robust HTA analytical strategies supporting HTA submissions that are done in all the different countries where we market products. I think R&D has evolved significantly in recent years, so I also work with many colleagues in different functions to understand what those changes are in both regulatory and HTA policy, especially with the focus of Europe. And I think there have been many important advances in, in how companies now, now are developing products, how regulators are assessing medicines for licensing, and how HTA agencies are assessing medicines for reimbursement. 
as, as an experienced statistician, I know I do support a number of important initiatives within Amgen as well in my company. So one example is data transparency, where for the last year or so I've also been leading a cross-functional team that's responsible for managing requests that we receive from external researchers interested in addressing new medical insights using Amgen clinical trial data. I'm very fortunate that Amgen supports me to engage and participate in external activities. So examples are SPI, where I'm currently the president, um, and then I'm also involved in EPIA, which is the European Federation um, of Industry Associations, where I'm also representing Amgen on the Clinical Development Committee, and actually the only statistician on that committee. So it's very, very useful um, to, to engage in the Industry Association Europe. I also get involved in IMI, which is the Innovative Medicines Initiative, which is a consortium-led project with the EU Commission, academics and industry. And, and I'm involved in the Get Real project, um, which is looking at um, relative effectiveness and synthesizing evidence and predictive modeling. Uh, just for our listeners who may be less familiar with it, could you define uh, exactly what you mean by uh, HTA or health technology assessment? Yeah, so HTA is a process, and it, it, you know it's, it's, it's mainly driven out of Europe in, in previous years, but countries like Canada, the UK, and Australia in particular have been driving health technology assessment. This is where at the local level, at the country level, governments have to decide whether they're going to pay for medicines and their healthcare systems. Um, and they look at the added value of new medicines coming through. And every country has different ways to assess that value. Some will look at the added clinical benefit. Some will look at the added clinical benefit relative to the end cost of the medicines. And they'll make an assessment of whether that medicine should be reimbursed by their, their government healthcare system. Yeah, thanks for uh, clarifying that for uh, our U.S. listeners. Now, it sounds like you're very involved with the uh, external statistics organizations, but uh, what first attracted you to the field of statistics? So I was very lucky to study statistics at A-level, which is higher education pre-university in the U.K., and I absolutely loved it. So I went on to study um, statistics with management science techniques in Cardiff in Wales, and attained my first degree. And it's through my industry placement year where we go and work for industry for a year where I worked at ICI Pharmaceuticals, now AstraZeneca, in their preclinical stats group. And this gave me a great insight into the pharmaceutical industry. Um, when I graduated in, in the early 1990s, the job market was quite tough, but I was fortunate to join, which was back then Smithkline Beecham, now GSK, in their clinical statistics group. And I had a terrific uh, sort of six years at Smithline learning a lot about clinical development. It's that, that during that time I completed my master's in applied statistics as well as part of a distance learning program. And it was tough trying to do a, a second degree whilst working full time, but it was a great experience as well. And it's at that time I, I came across Amgen as a sort of relatively unknown biotech company in the UK. I was intrigued and I've joined and never looked back. And I've had a you know, fantastic career spanning about 17 years now at Amgen. Um, my passion for statistics has grown and grown. Um, I strongly believe and feel from personal experience that statisticians add tremendous value in bringing new and innovative medicines to patients with unmet needs. And as a statistical leader, I'm so proud of the group I work with at Amgen. I'm fortunate to manage a great bunch of statisticians. It's a privilege to work with such dedicated people. 
Um, so as a statistician, I also feel I'm constantly learning. I'm being challenged all the time, make a difference, add value on a wide range of important projects. Um, and I think that's really important for anyone in statistics. And, and ultimately, most importantly, I have, have tremendous fun doing the job I love. Well, it definitely comes across, Chrissy, uh, your passion for statistics. Um, and one follow-up question, is it is it common within the UK to have uh, these year placements uh, at, at local industries uh, while you're uh, studying for your degree? Yeah, they, they, they still do go on. I think they've, they've, they've lessened in the number that, that are available now, but certainly there are, there are still placement students, and we still have them at Amgen, and, and they get a lot of value out of it. If anything, we also now work with the local schools as well, trying to get people to go into mathematics. So people, people can also come in and do some work experience, and that's our sort of contribution to try and get people engaged in maths and you know, the future science and disciplines. Now you're passionate about statistics. Uh, what are you passionate about uh, beyond statistics? Well, my family is my rock. You know, so spending time with them is important. My kids, you know, really important to me. I think the, the world they're growing up in is so different to the world that I grew up in, and I still need to get my head into all the social media. So I'm not a social media dinosaur. Um, but I've got to thank my lucky stars that I did my year placement at ICI because that's where I met my husband, and over 25 years later, we're still he's still my best friend, and I couldn't do my job now without his support. Um, my health is very important to me. I love to keep fit and stay well, so I'm a keen, keen swimmer. I love jazzercise, aerobics. Um, I do strongly encourage everyone to have some kind of way to relax and get away from work, so for these, um, these two hobbies work for me. Uh, I'm also a very avid book reader where I've read hundreds of great chick flicks on my Kindle as well, so fit it all in. Yeah, very good. Uh, the exercise definitely helps uh, keep the uh, statistics dreams at bay. That's, that's true. Now you're the current president of the European Federation of Statisticians in the Pharmaceutical Industry, uh, FSPI. Uh, can you give us some background for this group and, and describe its mission for us? Sure. So FSPI was founded back in 1992, so over 20 years ago with three sort of main objectives, the first of which was to promote professional standards of statistics and the standing of the statistical profession in the pharmaceutical industry. It was to also offer a collective expert input on statistical matters to, to, to both country, national and international authorities and organizations, and to exchange information and harmonize attitudes to the practice of statistics in the European pharmaceutical industry and within, within its member groups. And these objectives of SFI are met through a number of activities. So we have, for example, a scientific committee um, that runs scientific meetings. We have a regulatory committee that, again, look at primarily at some of the guidelines that come through and, and, and work and now interact with the regulatory agencies. And we have the individual national associations who also run their own meetings and have their own particular um, areas of focus. We also, in recent years, have set up a number of special interest groups, which we call SIGs, and these are sort of looking at, for example, benefit risk, uh, areas of toxicology, modelling and simulation, and this is sort of where experts and people motivated with certain areas of expertise can come together. So we do, we do hold a number of different activities, whether they be meetings, which could be sponsored by SBI or one of the national associations, um, we, 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 we focus on writing best practice papers or viewpoint papers on best 
best practice sometimes or some hot industry or statistical topics that need discussing. We do review the guidance and, and come together in Europe and have a sort of a common voice on, on any comments that we, we submit. Uh, we share news via monthly newsletters. And we try to promote the work achieved by the SIGs through our website. And in recent years, we've also started now to hold an annual SBI statistics leaders meeting. So for key leaders that are based in Europe, we bring them together once a year. And this has enabled us to further extend the networking and exchange of information across SBI and also enable those fat leaders in Europe to help shape and influence SBI for the future. Very good. You, you sort of addressed uh, my next question for you, uh, whether there was a, an annual meeting. Um, uh, in terms of the leadership of FSPI, uh, how many individuals does this include? And uh, if you wouldn't mind telling us uh, how many different countries or member groups uh, are a part of FSPI? So there are 10 national organizations of SPI. So individuals are not members of SPI, but national associations are members of SPI. And, and without translating them, we have uh, national organizations from Belgium, Denmark, Finland, France, Germany, Italy, the Netherlands, Sweden, Switzerland, and the UK. So a real broad sense of Europe. And um, we have tried in the past to try and get more countries engaged. And obviously the international year of statistics back in 2013 and also now the world of statistics, we know there are over 2,400 associations globally in, in the world. You know, so lots and lots of you know, efforts in statistics. Um, but SBI has remained quite stable. There were 10 national organizations. Um, some of those are very pharmaceutical focused, some are more um, broader, and they have sort of a, a, a sub-focus in pharmaceuticals. But by bringing those 10 countries together and those key countries together, this is how we do, we do um, collaborate across the countries. We debate some of the important scientific issues. Um, and again, I want to express my thanks to all those um, individuals who support and contribute to, to SBI. Um, we, you mentioned about meetings. We are now introducing beginning of um, well, ne next year. We're going to be uh, hosting our first sort of SBI annual meeting, which is likely to take place in October next year. So this is a way to also bring people together and again uh, ask the wider community to em embrace SBI and also give us advice and feedback. Um, so we'll, we'll give more fe we'll give more details about that in, in the Q1 next year. It's fantastic. It uh, sounds like a, an amazing collaboration among the, uh, the different uh, individual groups. Now, we ta uh, the focus is primarily within Europe. Um, how often do the members of FSPI uh, collaborate with uh, different biopharmaceutical statistics groups outside of Europe? Well, that's a good question, so thank you. So we do, we have established in recent years, again, links out, outside of Europe. So for a long time, we probably were very EU-centric, um, but we know we do want to collaborate on, uh, internationally on these topics. Um, so in particular, we've had collaborations with QSPI, the Quantitative Statistics um, in the Pharmaceutical Industry, um, and we know that QSPI are affiliated with the Society of Clinical Trials. So. Um, that's been very good. We've, we've had a few discussions about looking at opportunities to collaborate in areas of mutual interest, um, in particular, for example, for, you know, for regulatory documents coming out of both FDA, EMA, or in the other countries in, in Japan, for example. 
We've also been trying to look at um, aligning on some of these special interest groups and um, expert groups that come together to talk about some of those evolving statistical methodologies. Um, in, in recent months, um, it's, you know, it's pleased to say that a number of statistical associations now have come together through the ASA, um, including the Drug Information Association, SBI, um, ISBS, the International Society of Biopharmaceutical Statistics, PSI, the UK organization, and also QSPI um, with SBI have now agreed to collaborate. Um, we've just had, a, uh, I think, one or two meetings in the last couple of months. Um, our objectives are really to increase that communication across all the societies that are, have heavy focus on healthcare and, and, and broader statistics so we can reduce some of the redundancies and try to look at coordinating some of those activities across the societies. So um, there's a lot of effort now looking at how we can do that. We're, we're probably going to develop some kind of website for sharing knowledge. Um, a charter is being developed and we hope to distribute that sometime in the first quarter next year. Yeah, it's definitely an exciting collaboration. Um, and how difficult has the the time changes been? Uh, I know at least with trying to schedule webinars in the past that uh, the time of day has definitely been a limiting factor for participation in other areas. And how challenging is that um, for having the meetings uh, between the uh, the different countries? It is a challenge, um, but it's not one. It's one that you can, you know, we can sort of um, work on. I think what we've we've been trying to do is rotate around different certain different times. So, you know, where obviously the US is a, is a large is a large country, and trying to get the East Coast and West Coast together um, with Europe is very difficult. But we, we've we've been able to achieve it on some occasions. Um, I think we're looking at running meetings where perhaps there are leads in countries and who can take the lead on some of these meetings and, and maybe run, run them in local time zones. So we have to be creative. We want to try and collaborate. Um, obviously, people do, do have still have some face-to-face -face meetings, but we're finding it very difficult to attend meetings face-to-face, -face, especially across countries. It's, it's more uh, easy, easier to have some of these teleconferences and, and webinars. I think we've learned a lot in the last couple of years. We haven't got it always right, but we're trying our best. I think we'll continue to learn and look at the technology. Um, we're also looking at recording some of these um, discussions as well. Is that another way to try and reach out to people who can't attend because of the time zone difference? Yeah, technology is certainly uh, improving our abilities to communicate with one another. Uh, hopefully this podcast serves as one example. And... Uh, my final question for you today is a little bit more general and forward-thinking. Uh, statisticians are obviously blessed with diverse work opportunities and job securities unmatched by many professions. Uh, it, but in your opinion, what is currently the single greatest challenge facing statisticians, uh, particularly in the pharmaceutical industry? Very good question. I, I think it's vital that statisticians have a strong voice at the table. I mean, I do hope that the previous stereotype image of statisticians being nerdy geeks to hide behind computers, generating sample sizes and p-values are long gone. Um, but statisticians should view themselves as drug developers who bring, you know, very good scientific expertise to the table with a strong voice, you know, who add strategic value to the design of our drug development programs and who utilize cutting-edge statistical methodologies to synthesize evidence generated from all our clinical trials and observational research that support our regulatory and reimbursement decision-making processes. 
And we also want to make sure that we're presenting and interpreting scientific data to further advance the scientific understanding and of medical insights. Now, we need a, a variety of skills to do this, and you know that those that have the capabilities, courage, and confidence to practically engage and add value know the tremendous difference that they can make. But it really is having a, a strong voice at the table, not shying away, um, and you know, adding value in, in all the areas that we've talked about. Very good. Um, yeah, the leadership skills, the so-called soft skills of uh, communication, presentation, uh, are definitely uh, of uh, great importance. Um, and statisticians receiving additional training for that. So um, I'm glad to hear that uh, things aren't too different on the other side of the Atlantic uh, with uh, trying to develop these skills. Well, Christy, I want to thank you uh, very much for your time and joining us here uh, on the podcast today. Thank you very much.